JTEC Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Bastak and Mike Jacobs. Hello and welcome in. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. We're the game show guys and your hosts. I'm Tom Bastet. And I'm Mike Jacobs. Hello, Tom. Another uh, uneventful week? I don't know. How's, how's things been with you? Oh, it's. I, I mean, I think in terms of game shows, it's been a very eventful well, week. Well, okay, that's fair. I was, I was trying to talk more on the personal level before we oh. dove into business, but yeah. that's fine. That's fine. No, I agree. I would say on the personal level, uh, it's been relatively uneventful, except that we had a ton of rain. I don't know if you've heard about the North Carolina mountains mm. got crushed with Fred. Uh, literally, the town over from us uh, got washed away. Oh, goodness. And, yeah, and there's um, at least at this point of the recording, there's at least four people dead and at least five more missing, and Oof, it doesn't look good. Terrible. And it's Yeah, it's awful. Um, so our hearts go out to uh, Haywood County, uh, especially the towns of Crusoe and Canton, who have um, had a, just a, a lot of awful, awful stuff to deal with. Um, and they don't know what's gone on there, Mike, but it's been it's crazy. I mean, they say that the banks literally have 15 foot high of debris on each side of the river. Good Lord. Yeah, it's crazy. So outside of that, we had very uneventful, um, but... Fred coming through made that eventful around here. Now, we didn't go out of the house much because obviously they've got roads closed for uh, emergency vehicles. So at that point, we watched a lot of home renovation shows, which has been Jenny and I's mainstay lately. I have to you? imagine, yeah. Uh, no, I've been, uh, man, it makes me feel bad now that I said uneventful because apparently not uneventful in many regards. Uh, been yeah. uneventful for me. I've just been kind of sitting around listening to music. So there you go. Yeah, but see, listening to music is an eventful thing for you. That's, That's not true. uneventful. That's you know true. what I'm saying? What did anything good this week that like surprised you? Uh, I don't know if it's this week, but the newest uh, Wolves in the Throne Room album is really good. Okay, great. Well, we'll look it up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, great. All right, uh, well, let's not waste any time. Why don't we go right into some news? Oh, wait, I do have one bit of um of. Housekeeping. Yes. Uh, Barb, I don't know if you were looking for me. And for that matter, I don't know if anybody else was, uh, this past weekend out at Southern Fried Gaming Expo. Unfortunately, due to the mass rise in COVID, I opted at the last minute to pull out of my reservation for the hotel and, uh, the show as well. So I was not able to, uh, help those guys out. And it broke my heart. They were very appreciative. They understood. Um, but it was just not something I was able to do. Jenny and I made the decision that being an immunocompromised household, and you understand this, obviously, mm -hmm. um, that it was best if we didn't make the trip. And for me, it wasn't even so much of that as it was that all the ER rooms in Atlanta, the greater Atlanta area, were full yeah. and, not, and turning away people. Yeah. And I was like... Okay, well, I'm not worried about so much if I get COVID as I am like, what if I accidentally cut off my finger or something? <laughs> That's fair. I mean, yeah, at this uh, point, like anything requiring a hospital visit is going to be a giant ordeal just because that's where everybody is. I have a very good friend named Jason. His dad was taking out the garbage uh, last week, cut his ankle, cut it to the point where it was so bad he couldn't stop the bleeding, had to call the ambulance. Jeez. Ambulance comes to bring him to the hospital. There's no hospitals for them to bring him to. They try an urgent care. Even the urgent care is full. Good Lord. He has to wrap it up, and they wrap it up as best they can, and he has an appointment with the doctor the next day. At that point, it's too late for stitches, and now it's probably going to take three months for that wound to heal. Now, I don't know about the, I'm not a medical guy. I don't know about anything with, when it regards to that. And I don't know if there's anything he can do to speed that process up or anything else. I don't know. But all I know is that he couldn't get the ambulance to get him to an ER. And that scares me. Yep. Yep. Anyway, that's enough of that. Let's move to news with Christian. How does that sound? That sounds good. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's change the pace a little bit. Cool. All right. Light up your cigarette, crack open a beer, put the kiddos to bed. From chaos around the world to carnage in your burial front yard, it's time for the news. 
Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Mike. This is the news brought to you by BuzzerBlog.com. The game show fan community, especially the European game show fan community, uh, is mourning the loss of Sean Locke, a famous stand-up comedian, writer, performer, and game show panelist over the past 15 to 20 years on various game shows, QI, uh, 8 Out of 10 Cats, the spinoff 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, um, he, just a hilarious guy, passed away at the age of 58 um, due to cancer, and uh, you know he had made an appearance a couple years ago after an extended absence on 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, and a lot of fans had noticed that he was bald, his voice was a little bit weaker, but no mention was made that he was struggling with his health, um, so this uh, seemed to have been a private battle he was going through uh channel four in uk all day was uh was airing the best of sean Locke, 24 hours straight of just his most famous appearances on all those shows um i mean he was one of my favorite uh comedians of that type there's a certain sphere of comedians that appear on all these panel shows in england and they're fantastic at it his incredibly dry sense of humor i thought was such a good fit for all those shows mm. um i'm gonna miss him uh also honorable mention to a two-episode uh, documentary they did a few years ago called Sean and John Go West. So Sean Locke, his unofficial comedy partner, John Richardson, took a trip to Louisiana during Mardi Gras, and it was a two-episode documentary just following their adventures in the deep south of America, and it was unbelievably cool to see them interacting in that kind of environment. Um, yeah, going to miss him. Awesome guy. You know, I didn't even really know who the guy was, to be totally and completely honest with you, until I saw a bunch of people tweeting about it uh, today and yesterday. And they were talking, or it wasn't today and yesterday, it was earlier this week. Um, they were uh, talking about this carrot in the box. And I was like, what is this carrot? Carrot in a box. Yeah. <laughs> and and I don't know if you guys, did you guys get, the, I mean, you, you obviously, uh, Christian, you know, Mike, did you get a chance to see it? I did. And so I, I was not familiar with eight out of 10 cats other than uh, I knew the name. And actually I had heard of it because of uh, eight out of 10 cats does countdown, um, which I feel like we should clarify because that sounds really confusing if you don't know what this is. Uh, it's, it's two separate panel shows. Countdown, of course, being the popular British, uh, uh, game show. And then eight out of ten cats is a panel show. So you sort of combine the two into the eight out of ten cats does countdown. Um, but yeah. So anyways, back to your point. Uh, yes, I, I did manage to check out that clip. It was great. And I will definitely put them up on the website this week, both that one and the, and the second one where they have the rematch. And they're just amazing. I, I mean, absolutely amazing. I, I, I'm heartbroken that I didn't know more about him, but now I can't wait to go back and watch more of the episodes of, of that he was in because he's clearly uh, a fantastic uh, performer and, 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 and comic. And I, I would recommend checking out QI as well. That's, a, that's just a brilliant show from start to finish, but uh, that is cool. where I primarily knew him from. Yeah, same. That's where I first got to know him. Funny thing you should mention about 8 out of 10 Casters Countdown. That started as an April Fool's joke a few years ago. Channel 4 was just mashing up two shows and airing them, you know, for a whole block for April Fool's Day. One of them, they combined 8 out of, eight out of 10 cats and Countdown. And people loved it so much that it became a series. And now I think we're over 100 episodes in. Just a fantastic idea. <clears throat> That's great. Absolutely great. All right, Christian, what else do you have for us? Well, this one is sort of off the radar. I don't know if uh, anyone on BuzzerBlog has received confirmation of this yet, but we're getting word that uh, in preparation of the upcoming season of Jeopardy, you know, there are a lot of changes afoot, some of which I'm sure we'll talk about in just a little bit, um, but there are some specials planned, uh, some for college professors, some for uh you know, college students are doing the college tournament a little different this year. Um, we've gotten reports of some prospective contestants receiving emails from Los Angeles-based casting departments, which is a huge 180 from the way the show has historically selected contestants. They've always had this process, this test, this, you know, interview process. And, and, and I was part of it once. I, I, I didn't make it on the show, but it was, uh, it was fascinating to see that machine work. You know, their longtime contesting coordinator stepped down recently. And so I'm curious to know if this is 
uh, a sort of stopgap solution while they find a new professional contesting coordinator to work for the show specifically, or if they're going to be contracting this out to the central casting people who select all the people for all the crap that we watch every day. Um, interesting and slightly sad to see them take this turn, but hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's a temporary solution. You know, I, I don't necessarily feel that bad about this because, like, let's say you're going to do an episode that's on all, like, college professors. It may be easier to broaden that search quickly. I mean, there still may be a test on the back end where they reach out to all of their people looking for college professors and then they pick the best of those. It may just be that initial search that they're doing because these new specials that they're going to be running are so specific that it's just different than their regular everyday you know, um, syndicated. Trip. Right. But if they're using casting agencies, casting agencies don't know how to get in touch with specific professors and things. They know how to get in touch with actors. No, I'm, not necessarily. There's casting calls that go out all the time that are way more broader than just, Hey, we know we're looking for actors. They're looking for something specific. They'll send it out. It'll hit newspapers around the country. It'll go to different places. You, you have a, you can cast a wider net that way. I'm going to tell you why this makes me sad. There are people like the current champion on Jeopardy, who in the midst of all of this chaos regarding the hosting and the producing in the new season, it's completely gotten lost that this guy, his name is Matt Abodio, has like over $400,000 in winnings. Like he's, he's easily in the top 10 highest ranking money winners of all time on that show. I believe he's the third now, right? He's, he's way up there. Um, people like him. People like James Holzhauer, who won, you know, to over two million bucks. People like Ken Jennings, who won 75 games. Those are not the people that Central Casting is looking for. Those are not the people that would make it to Los Angeles and make it through that entire process because they're not your traditional everyday stereotypical game show contestants they don't they, they don't fit the mold they fit the mold of a jeopardy contestant and jeopardy knows what they're looking for in those contestants um so i'm concerned that looks and personality will matter more than actual talent at the game hmm. um so that's that's why it brings a lot of concern for my end I'm not worried yet. We'll see once we get the first special up and running and we'll talk about it and we'll be like, yeah, it was a, it was a crap show. <laughs> All right. So fine. Again, I, I think it's, it's interesting to me that you, you kind of had that same approach with the idea of Mike Richards being host where it's like, we'll see what happens. And if it doesn't work, then they have an out. But again, it's like the idea of like risking ruining a show like this over a, you know, potentially poorly conceived plan that's that's a huge gamble to be taking they may have also not wanted to mess with things while alex was still alive and therefore this is like their opportunity to finally change what they've been wanting to do for 10 years well and and honestly i think that's more what we're seeing and i would not be surprised if we are like witnessing the beginning of the downfall of jeopardy honestly yeah yeah. All right, Christian, what about this week in game show history? Well, this week in game show history, we are going back. See, I thought this might be appropriate to celebrate a person who is the exact opposite of a certain new host that's been in the media lately. We are going back to August 25th, 1921, all the way back Ooh, to wow. the birth, to the birth of one of the most famous MCs and producers in the history of game shows. We're talking about Monty Hall. Yay. Now, we've we've done a lot of talking about Monty Hall in the past and we've gone over the fact that he was born in Canada, met Stefan Hados, produced Let's Make a Deal, what, you know, their biggest success, um hosted that show, hosted Split Second. We've, you know, raised billions of dollars for various charities throughout his life. We've talked about all of that. So, what I thought we'd do uh to celebrate the birth of this incredible figure in game show history is talk about some of the more obscure shows he's either hosted or produced throughout nice. his career so i figured we'd start with one of his very first opportunities to host a show he had just come from canada he was a hockey announcer up there and this is one of the first shows he did in america so this was called bingo at home and bingo at home was exactly as boring as it sounds it was literal <laughs> it was literal bingo it was half an hour of him calling numbers and, and nine. right <laughs> and you know making conversation in between you can see that little bit of ad-libbing skill that he that he, you know 
that he definitely sharpened uh, as host of Let's Make a Deal. But that was one of the first shows he had ever hosted. Um, and of course, Let's Make a Deal. We won't we won't gloss over that too much. But 1963 to 1977, biggest hit he ever had. Um, first huge hit with Stefan Hados' production partner. And then in the early 60s, he was the host, and they called him the mayor, of <laughs> Video Village. And Video Village was a giant life-size board game that took up the entire studio floor. And there was a golf cart to take players from beginning to end. There was a drawbridge, and there were buildings. And, it was, and they created this environment in the studio, and Monty Hall was one of the hosts of this show. That sounds um, awesome. Really incredible show. They uh, came out with a home version of it that was a, pretty much a replica of the set in a game box. Um, and that show produced by um, by Heater Quigley, who went on to create the Hollywood Squares. And that was one of their first uh, attempts at making a show that took a regular game element and just made it larger than life. So you had a big board game. You had a big tic-tac-toe. You know, they were incredible producers, and Monty Hall was an incredible host. There was a show he did in the 1980s called I Predict. I Predict never aired, and they and they shot a couple episodes of it, but it never aired. And this was, it was a word game where the puzzles hinged on puns that were framed as headlines. So if <laughs> one of the clues was Ronald Reagan now eats Big Macs, you might say, I predict that Ronald McDonald becomes the White House chef. And that was the correct answer to that puzzle. Whoa. So it was, yeah, wow. it was really out, it was really out there and really, really cool. And again, never aired, but it's just an unbelievable idea. Um, that kind of sounds like, it, like it would be a, uh, uh, wait, wait, don't tell me game, but like way harder than any game they've ever had. <laughs> Yeah, definite learning curve. And maybe that has something to do with the fact that it never caught on and never aired. But yeah, yeah I predict was another one. Uh, we can go back to the 70s for one more. There was a show called Three for the Money, uh, which I may have mentioned as part of a Stump the Chump a couple weeks ago. Uh -huh. Three for the Money was a show where you had two celebrities. Each one had two contestants on their team. And both teams would play Monday through Friday. They played for the whole week. And you would win more money for correct answers based on how many members of the opposing team you challenged. So if I got a category and the category was TV movies and I wanted to, I wanted to catch up. I wanted to win a bunch of money. I would have the host turn on all three buzzers on the other side. So I would be competing against all three, giving them an advantage because there are three brains on that side and one on this side. Yeah. So it was that kind of, uh, it was that kind of game Monday through Friday, the winner at the end of the week, I think they won an extra 5,000 bucks in a car or something like that. But that was a very obscure one. I think that maybe didn't even last a whole season on NBC back in the mid seventies. But <sighs> anyway, Monty Hall, super talented host, super talented producer this week in game show history. Happy birthday, Monty. Dude, that's a great, great, great This Week in Game Show history. Thank you. That was wonderful. Agreed. All right. Uh, Mike, how about Stump or Chump? Uh, yeah. So we are talking Cutthroat Kitchen this week. Uh, and uh, we, we were hoping we were going to get you, but it seems like this might be a show that you're familiar with. I'm uh, grumbling already. I'm totally grumbling already. I mean, look, I, I got to be honest. Even as a fan of the show, I think I got you on this one. Oh, okay. I will say that I'm not entirely familiar. Like, I know what Cutthroat Kitchen is, and I've seen it a few times. Uh -huh. I have a mother-in-law who loves Food Network, but All right. All right. Oh. I'll take All right. it. Let's see what we got. Should I dull it down then? Should I, should I give him the slow pitch? No, no, do not. Do not dull it down. Do no, not no, dull give it me the down. whole thing. I'll okay. take it. All right. Uh, so, uh, as someone who may or may not watch Cutthroat Kitchen, you may or may not know that he refers to all of his stagehands simply as the name Bob. There are many of them, but they are all named Bob. Turns out Bob is spelled in all caps and is, in fact, an acronym. Do you know what Bob stands for on oh Cutthroat Kitchen? Oh, my gosh. Jesus. Um... I just want to get some clarifying information down. It's Alton Brown that hosts Cutthroat Kitchen, right? Correct. Still him? Correct, yes. yeah. All right. My official guess for this question is I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> we got him! We got him! 
I have absolutely. I wouldn't even begin. I, I, have, I have no I'm, idea. I'm googling it. Hold on a second. What it, is it? Well, and it's almost a trick question because the B is is a real groaner, but it's biomorphic occupational robot. So I guess well, bot. We've Jeez. made history the most obnoxious Stumper Chum question we have ever had on this show. <laughs> well, I, I mean, and I wouldn't say obnoxious. I'd say obscure. Yes. Definitely obscure. De- but, yeah, definitely a good question. Uh, so I, I did have another one that I thought was maybe equally as obscure, and I'd flipped a coin over which one I went with. So do you want, you want, you want to hear the other one? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so as you may remember, there was a, uh, it was not really a spinoff. It was just like a different season of Cutthroat Kitchen called Camp Cutthroat. It all took place outdoors and it was all camping themed uh, cooking challenges, stuff like that. Uh, it was actually filmed on the set of a uh, uh, um, reality show that never aired. Do you know the name of the reality show that acted as the set for Camp Cutthroat? That never aired? Yes. The only Fox reality show that never aired that I can think of, and if we're thinking of like the mid 2010s, the only one I can think of would be like Utopia. I think it was called. Utopia is the correct answer. Was it? okay, Ow! but that's not because that's not because I knew the answer to that question. That's because that's the only unaired Fox reality show I could think of. Okay, well, the fact still. that you knew that, I mean, that is amazing. Okay, well, it's a half stump this week, Mike, because that's a pretty good question. Fair enough. Fair Half enough. Half a stump is better than none. Thank and, you. Wow. and look, I gotta, I gotta be fully uh, honest. The only uh, fact ba- checking I did on this Bob thing was look at IMDb. <laughs> so <laughs> who knows if that's even correct? Fair. It might, uh, it, it might never be said. But all right, well, you know, I'm not gonna worry about it. That is just completely and totally awesome. And the fact that he knew what that utopia oh my okay yeah okay we're done <laughs> <laughs> all right christian this week we are doing cutthroat kitchens your thought yeah so another one of those great cooking shows first of all and just veering away from the topic of cutthroat kitchen itself for a second i am surprised alton, alton brown did not get a shot at guest hosting jeopardy that would have been awesome That's he a really has good such point. a good personality for that he, type of show he, did, he, come just, out, he mm-hmm. did come out and say he wasn't interested Oh, well, there we go. That's why. Well, I thought he would have been, I, I think he would have been a great host for that kind of thing. But you also have to have the interest for it. Anyway. But but here's the thing. It's really easy to say. By the way, I'm also going to say right now, I was not interested. So that's why they didn't ask me. <laughs> well, that's I, I mean, and, and you have so much on your plate, Tom. That I mean, that's exactly right. But but that's exactly what I'm saying. It's very easy to say you weren't interested when you weren't when asked. you weren't asked. Yeah. Well, that's very true. That's so, very true. but you're right. I agree. I love Al, 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 Alton Brown is amazing. I, yeah, I'm a huge is. fan. And um, as far as I almost applied to work for him, which is crazy because when I was living in Atlanta, he was looking for somebody to help him. Um, but I will say this. You're right. He would have been fantastic on Jeopardy. I think he he really would have done a bang up job. Well, in the meantime, he was great on Cutthroat Kitchen. Just, you know, again, part of that stable of cooking shows that are just endlessly bingeable, endlessly watchable. Him and Guy Fieri are like the patron saints of cooking competitions. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cutthroat Kitchen. Great show. Awesome. Awesome. All right, uh, Christian, how about a plug for BuzzerBlog? Of course, BuzzerBlog.com, the number one game show website in the world. Whether you're looking for information on new series, returning series, anything retro, anything current in the world of game shows and unscripted entertainment, BuzzerBlog.com is the place to go. That's BuzzerBlog.com. Thanks, Christian. We'll see you again next week. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. All right, Mike. Well, since that's been recorded, we've had some other breaking news. Yeah, okay. So uh, uneventful was definitely the wrong word to use earlier. <laughs> yeah, it might have been, at least in the game show world. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, it has, uh, since we have recorded that, been released that uh, Mike Richards is out. He is, quote-unquote, stepping down, uh, though I'm sure it was... Uh, had he not, there would have been some maybe forceful words suggesting he do so. Um, so, yeah, no word yet on any official replacement. Uh, they are going to continue getting uh, temporary guest hosts in the manner that they have been. Uh, they also will continue to air the episodes that he has shot. So as new host, they have made episodes with him as the new host, and they will be airing those. Uh, primary reason for that being is that uh, they don't want to shortchange the contestants, right? Like, Yeah, and I think that's uh, the right thing to do. 
Absolutely. I mean, if, if for no other reason, um, Matt Amodio is still, you know, his his um, streak is still going. So, uh, you know, it would just be unfair to the contestants to pull episodes. You know, obviously they would still honor the results of them, but to not air them is unfair for the contestants. And as we've discussed in the past, the true stars of Jeopardy's are <clears throat> the true stars of Jeopardy are the contestants. Agreed, and that's the way um, that Alex always wanted it. Exactly. So, I mean, I I think it's I think it's great. Uh, I'm I have to tell you, I'm not the least bit upset that he is gone. I feel like uh, the stuff that was unearthed uh, from his past. I'm not I'm you know I'm not canceling him, but I'm certainly saying like you were old enough to know better at that point. Yeah, I agree, and uh, you know I don't. I, I'm kind of of the belief that the term canceling is only used by the people that don't like the idea of, you know, people getting called out for bad behavior. Um, But the fact is he's getting called out for bad behavior and it's not like it's, you know, in a silo. There were other examples of this before that even happened. So, I mean, clearly not someone that needs to be uh, the face of a institution like Jeopardy. And it'll be really interesting to see if they start losing. And, and, and we had a couple of emails, and this one guy, Randy, uh, who has emailed the show quite a bit, uh, had said something the other day where he was like, do you think that the sponsors start to pull out if they don't get rid of him as executive producer? And I said, well, only time will tell. But that'll be interesting to see if they do lose sponsorships because of his affiliation with the show. Yeah, and I was, I was, I was thinking about that as well. It's like the fact that he's still executive producer – um, I, I hate to be like, like you say, cancel the guy, quote unquote, and, you know, fire him from everything. And he has no more career because he said some dumb stuff back in the day. Um, but at the same time, it's like you really do have to weigh, you know, the the uh, the optics of the situation. Right. Like, what does it look like to have someone who has repeatedly been in situations like this to still be at the helm of Jeopardy? What does it say about the team that's running Jeopardy? Right. Yeah, and I also think, like, this is the way I look at it. Sony is doing this, and, and Christian has talked about this over the last couple of weeks. This uh, is is an institution to us. To Sony, it is just a business. Right. They don't care. The second you hurt that bottom line and those sponsors pull out, bye-bye, executive producer. We'll find somebody else to take your job. That's very true. That is very, very true. So, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I would not be the least bit surprised to see him go. No, I, I wouldn't either. Um it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, as far as replacements go, uh, I am firmly of the belief that they should give Maya Bialik the role and then give the current primetime role that they have given to her, uh, hand that over to uh, uh, LeVar Burton and have the two of them run the two different editions. I think that would be best case scenario. We'll see what happens. There's no, obviously, I'm not saying that with any sort of authority. I'm just saying that's what I would like to see happen. Yeah, I would like to, to see that, but I'd also be okay with um, I'd be okay with uh, Ken Jennings. Um, uh, some of the other guys too, I think would be would be fine. I mean, I'm you know me obviously I'm a Lavar Burton fan, but at the end of the day, I you know I get if there's not if there's not a um, uh, enough worth or they feel there's not enough worth there to get him, um, but my feeling is is that. Uh, let's. There's other people that are on that list that would be wonderful too. Absolutely. All right. Uh, this week, uh, Mike, the game show that we are featuring is Cutthroat Kitchen. So it's a it's a cooking game show. But this is probably one of the best game shows of cooking talents. If if you're with me on this, I mean, well, yes, no. Yes, I would say best in both the sort of subjective uh, opinion. I like it the most sort of way, uh, but also the best in the sort of like uh, technical sense of combination of game and show and cooking show. Right. Like it's it's very firmly in both parks. Um, and, and I feel like that's that's not something you see very often with very cooking heavy shows we talked about um guys grocery games a while back and i feel like that one uh was in the same vein but this one to me is like way more firmly planted of being both and being better at being both frankly 
Yeah, I think the the gameplay here is so amazing. I can't wait to get into it. And actually, that's what's coming up next. Um, yeah, so let's let's do it. Go ahead, Mike. Take us out. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. I have $100,000 of cold, hard cash in this case. Four chefs get $25,000 each. Yeah, baby. If they want to leave this kitchen with any of the cash, they have to survive three culinary challenges and each other. Women stick together. No, they don't. (laughs) In a game where sabotage is not only encouraged, you'll be able to force one of your opponents to do all of their cooking on a camp stove. It's for sale. 2500 5000 10 grand. It's a game we like to call <laughs> Cutthroat Kitchen. There it is, the intro to Cutthroat Kitchen. You're listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they want. That is the featured show this week. Uh, Mike, we've got gameplay now. And boy, I, I I love it, but I'll let you get in with please. Let's go ahead. Yeah, well, I'll just say the show is aptly named. Uh, the gameplay is oh, very yeah. cutthroat. Yeah, it is. So the way this works is we begin with four different chefs uh, competing head to head to head to head um all against each other um really really head to head to head to to head (laughs) i mean i i wrote head to head and then i was like well that's not really true they're all four head to head to head head." i I love it no it's great please continue i'm sorry (laughs) Uh, no it's fine uh and and much like with um guys grocery games they are professional chefs but they're not like big celebrity chefs like gordon ramsay style right yeah no these are guys that yeah, for the judges, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, the big twist here is that they start with their prize money. They don't have to do anything. They just get on the show and they get $25,000 each. Um, pretty great, right? Well, of course, mm-hmm. there's going to be a catch in a show called Cutthroat Kitchen. Uh, what happens is the first round, uh, Alton says, here's a dish that I want you to cook. Uh, think along the lines of just any typical cooking show meatloaf you know whatever comfort food yeah right so yes meatloaf and comfort food would both be uh a good examples because they're it's often specific enough that there's like key and elements that are required right right Um, right but it's open enough to interpretation that there's some leeway the the chefs can kind of do their artistic thing um which also could help disguise what's really going to happen in this game. Um, But before we get to that, after they're told what they are supposed to cook, uh, they get one minute to gather what they can from the pantry that the show has. Uh, It's very, very well stocked with all manner of food, pretty much anything you could want. But it's important to note that there is not an unlimited supply of foods like there are in a lot of cooking shows. Um, so if you're in within this minute that all four people are going through this pantry, if all, you know, three other contestants, uh, grab the same thing and it runs out tough luck, you don't get that ingredient. It's interesting because I wonder what the pauses are like between like when they pick out what they get from the, the actual pantry to when they actually start the, like the bidding process, which we'll get into next, Mm -hmm. because to me, I have seen episodes where like the women go in there, they're making, they're making, I don't know, souffle or something. Let's say they're making omelets Mm -hmm. and one contestant, the woman would take every egg that's in there. Right. And so that, I don't think that happens very often where someone will specifically take everything to, in order to sabotage everybody else. But I mean, it's cutthroat, man. If you can do it, do it. But see, what I wonder is, is, and this is my, my thing that I, I would love to have a behind the scenes in in here is that when they see that do they then change what they're going to be in the bidding process to possibly affect the one person so that everybody gets eggs do you know what i'm saying so because i have seen i have seen that happen where like one person grabbed a bunch of meat whatever the meat was and then they came out with three other kinds of meat and they all had to cook with different kinds of meat because of that thing coming down or whatever right so yes so what you're referring to here is the sabotages and this is really the the 
the big the big part of the game. So the before, crux of this game, it, absolutely. So before they start cooking, but after they've gotten their ingredients, uh, they have an auction. So Alton will present Alton Brown, of course, the host uh, presents a sabotage um, that can be purchased by any one of the contestants theoretically, and it is a way to hinder their opponents. Now that is that is a key here. There is no. Um, well, I don't want to say no, because I can't say that 100% there is never a benefit, but it is always things to make it worse for your opponents. It's never like it's going to make it easier or better for you. It's just making things worse for other people. Uh, you know, typical examples, um, you, you have to replace your t utensils with something less useful, like maybe, a, you know, a, a, a tool set, like a hammer and screwdriver Or just and stuff. a roll of aluminum foil. So that, to me, is the absolute meanest one like can you imagine getting rid of a knife and having to use aluminum foil to cut stuff with the one woman that lost all her cutlery all of her tools you she didn't lose use of like the machine stuff so she was like slicing her potatoes with the blade from the um uh <laughs> like from a, the food processor right, like right, right. i mean I was like, oh, can you imagine? How do you pull the stuff out of the pot to make sure that it's hot? How do you right. stir? I mean, stirring would oh. be, I, I feel like stirring is the easiest. I feel like you could pretty well make an airsat spoon out of tin foil, but that's Maybe, about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Forks, not a chance. Um, other examples, uh, you have to use uh, usually poor or used ingredients sometimes. I don't know how used these used ingredients are, but they're definitely like, you know, a, a plate of, just generic store-bought tortilla chips with generic cheese put on top and then microwaved and that's the cheese you yeah. got to use instead of oh, whatever yeah there was there was there was one for um i want to say it was uh grilled cheese and one person got burnt toast to use as their bread yeah uh so and sometimes the poor ingredients though like you say could be used to your advantage like if you don't get a key ingredient for your dish even a crummy version of the ingredient is going to be better than nothing, right? Uh, I think one was uh, they were making duck l'orange or something like that. And um, the sabotage was that you had to take away all of the um, uh, opponent's oranges and instead give them uh, uh, orange soda. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so this guy was like, well, maybe I just won't bid on this, and they'll give me the orange soda, and then it's better than not having oranges, right? Oranges at all. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Absolutely right. Um, physical restraints are sometimes common. You are, I don't know, handcuffed, or you know, you have to run back and forth through something, or like it just you know various physical things that make it more difficult to do. And then there's right. a lot of time wasting side projects. Um, you just you, you got to go play basketball in the middle of the round, or just something where it's like <laughs> it has nothing to do with the competition. All it does is stop you, um, and often it will stop you like in the middle of you know a potentially delicate uh, process in your cooking where it's like you need to heat something up, but you don't want it to overcook things like that. Uh, right. So that can be that can be really uh, a, a huge hindrance as well. So, like I say, Alton presents one of, one of these sabotages that uh, he's concocted, um, and then the contestants will start to bid from their prize money. Remember, they started with $25,000 each, so they can start bidding however much they want. Uh, the idea being that you want to try and avoid getting any sabotages that you think are really going to harm you. Um and it just kind of goes back and forth through all the contestants until someone has a higher bidder and then they go put the money back into the suitcase from whence it came um, and they get to dole the punishment out as they see fit. Uh, typically, people will bid conservatively because the idea is you want to keep your money, right? Because at the end of this, you're only going to win the money that you have left. But here's the thing. If you get eliminated at the end of the round, then it doesn't matter. So you're better off spending at least some of it in the first round to try to keep yourself alive. So there's that whole back and forth there. Well, and to me, it really, really comes down to what the sabotages are and how likely you think it is that it's going to come to you. Like if someone gets a really nasty sabotage right off the bat for the very first one, the person that they give it to is then more likely to give it back to them. So if you're on that next one, maybe you can kind of float under the radar again, right? And 
And, right. And that's the other thing is to consider is you don't have to win the round. You just have to not lose the round. So Correct. by that, we, we uh, actually have a preparation where they cook the dish that uh, Alden wants them to cook uh, with the um, punishments as they have been doled out per the uh, bidding round. Uh, the time varies uh, how, however long they have, um, depending on what the dish is. But generally right. speaking, they're given 30, 45, 90, however many minutes to work. And they have to have the dish fully plated uh, by the end of it. Um, and as we've discussed in other shows, I believe this means two versions, right? Because they have to have a tasting one and a, uh, a hero or a beauty plate um, of you know showing what the actual plate is. Right. Now, I don't know that that's true. They may do the same one for both, but I can't imagine it would be uh, really possible to do that. Uh, but we do have a uh, celebrity judge come in to taste the dishes. And uh, key of this part is that they do not know any of the challenges and they are not being factored into the critique in any way. Obviously, they know what show they're on, so they know something is up. Uh, so if they you know, something incredibly out of the ordinary happens. Uh, they could probably surmise what the challenge was. Uh, but again, they're not supposed to take it into effect. They're just consideration. Looking, yeah. Well, yeah. They're just looking at the plating and the taste and the, it, is it what we asked for? Right. Um, how, how accurate does it portray what you think of when you think of a grilled cheese with tomato soup? Right. Um, Mike's favorite dish. Exactly. Uh, so after they taste it all, the judge will eliminate the chef whose disc dish was least successful. And again, they're, like you said, they're, all their money is gone. So if you are losing because of a uh, uh, sabotage that was put on you, then, man, maybe you should have bid more. But it's amazing how often people will have like all the sabotages and still win or have no sabotages and still be eliminated. So it can really just come down to skill, you know, as much as the sabotages can play. Yeah, there's there's two total sides to this game, which is absolutely amazing. Right, that's that's part of what I love about the gameplay of this. Mm -hmm. uh, so you repeat this exact same process for a second round. Obviously, this time there's now three people competing. Um, and then uh, we eliminate another chef, and we go down to two people, and we have the final round. It's basically the same deal, except the bidding on the sabotages here will happen during the food preparation. They will go into the um, pantry and have their minute to shop, but as soon as they're done, they get to work. Um, I think what makes this cool is is two different things. Is One, they now have to worry about the bidding while they're cooking right it makes everything that much more high pressure uh but it also makes the sabotages that much more impactful like imagine if you have to give up all your cheese and you've already started making a cheese dish right it's like well now you got to stop and throw that out and start over again with this crummy cheese that they just given you or something right. like that right um so it's like a lot more high stress um in this final round um, and then, uh, you know, after the final critique, the uh, judge is going to choose the best performing chef. Typically, they will go off of that specific round, um, but I suppose they could take past uh, performances into effect as well. Or I keep saying effect into consideration as well. Um, and then whoever wins the game is the winner and they keep whatever is left of their money. And in some cases, I have seen that be a very, very low amount. And they're like, yeah, whatever. I won. I got 25 bucks or whatever. Yeah. And that's all that matters is I won. Yeah. yeah that's all yeah. they want. Yeah, Which I can kind of see that, um, you know, uh, uh, as fun as I think this game would be if I was a chef. I mean, God, I, th I would love to be on it even if I wasn't a chef. Like, if you put me up against three other people who were, like, not good cooks, I think that just the game of this would be so much fun. Yeah, it's kind of great. Um, I, I Actually, I, I haven't watched enough of it. I think I'm in season th two or three right now. I have not watched enough of it to know I'm waiting for the really good auctions to come, like where something helps you along tremendously it's got to come at some point where they're like you know here comes um this this thing this this you know pressure cooker that'll help you 
finish this dish faster. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, but and I bid don't, for good things as opposed to bad things. I don't think that happens though, because again, they're referred to as sabotages, and it's cutthroat kitchen. Like the, I think True. the whole idea here is that they're 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 punishing other people. I I don't believe it ever gets to a point where. They would do something positive as opposed to negative. Yes, I don't think so. Now, that being said, over the course of the show, the sabotages get way more creative and and uh, eventful. Even like they they become this whole ordeal, um, or you know, like where, I, yeah, I'd love to be the writer on the show coming up with this stuff. <laughs> like I, th- I think one of them is like all your ingredients are taken away, and instead you get a bunch of stuff in a giant like cooler filled with ice water so anytime you need an ingredient you got to go fishing around in this cooler full of ice water to find the thing you need and when you oh find it God. it's going to be like canned beans anyway so it's not like it's just they just get wild with it <laughs> wow well i definitely love it i think it's great um that it's it's such a simple game and yet it's so complex it is um you know it, it's almost a little double dare like and it's just like silliness but the complexity of it and the fact that there is the like you got to keep track of your money you got to make sure you avoid the things that you really think are going to hurt you while maybe trying to skirt under the radar for things you think are not going to be that big of a deal right and then again like we said you still got to be a good cook on top of all that and you know there are the the my my favorite aspect of the show are the people who get these challenges that are really hard and it's like, yeah, no problem. I'll figure out a way to make this work and, and knock it out of the park. And they knock it out of the park. I know. Yeah. I know. Absolutely amazing. It's great. All right. Well, we've got history coming up next, and uh, there's a good part of that. And then, of course, we will rate this game at the very end. I, I've got some interesting opinions on it, too. Oh. Uh, yeah, that I, I can't wait to talk to you about, so it's going to be fun. Excellent. Uh, it's uh, history. The name of the game is Cutthroat Kitchen. It's our featured game show this week. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast, tell them what they want. Hello. Hello. I'm Nikki, a gaming noob. And I'm Eric, a lifelong gamer. And, and we are Press, Press Any Button. Button. Press Any Button is a video game podcast hosted by two married gamers for all experience levels. In each episode, we cover a different video game's past, present, and future while adding a fun twist. That's right. We present game challenges to each other, and if it's not accomplished, that person must show off their best rapping skills. So if you like the podcast you're listening to right now, be sure to find us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's episode number 49, segment number three. Our featured game show this week is Cutthroat Kitchen. You're listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. We're your host. I'm Tom Bastick. And alongside me, as always. Hi, I'm Mike Jacobs. We have a fair amount of history here on this show. <laughs> your presentation of that was so brilliant. <laughs> was it? I don't know. It just, it really caught me. Excellent. We have a fair amount of history on this show. A fair amount of history. All right, well, go ahead, Fairmount. Let me see what we've got. Hit it. Uh, all right, so season one began airing on August 11th, 2013 on Food Network with, of course, Alton Brown as the host and his yes. uh, Bob's sidekick. Big uh, fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody was, apparently. Uh, according to Parrot Analytics, which, again, it's a, it's a site we've talked about before. I have no idea how accurate or what numbers these are based on. Are they asking parrots? Is that the way this works? Ooh, I hope not. Um but I like going back to the site because it looks very professional and it gives me numbers that I can talk about on the show. So according to Parrot Analytics, Cutthroat <laughs> uh, <Okay>. uh, <laughs> Kitchen. So so legitimate right there. Right? Like it just le- totally legitimate. I love it. Well, I'm just saying I'm passing the buck to Parrot Analytics. If this, uh, That's great. If, Go ahead. If this is false, blame them, not me. Uh, right on. <laughs> but they put uh, Cutthroat Kitchen in the top 84% of, eight of reality shows. I'd say that's pretty good, right? Okay. Wait a second. If they're in the top 84% or the bottom 16%, they could be 17% and still be in the top 84%. Oh. That's not right. No, I'm saying they... 
They're better than 84% yes. of reality shows. Yes, that's okay. what I'm trying to say. So I guess they are in the top 16. Thank you. Perfect. There we go. There we go. They are in the top 16% of reality shows. So this is this is why I never passed math. I to this day do not understand how I got through high school because I'm just math is uh, anyways. Well, it just goes to show you don't use math, kids. You just remember that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you are. Right. Fine. Right. I'm doing fine <laughs> without it. Uh, so uh, yeah, like I said, it proves very popular and uh, it stays steady for about a year, and then in 2014 is when they really start doing spinoff shows um not really spinoffs in the way that you think of like a, a sitcom but just like special episode runs like a five episode celebrity tournament for charity um and uh which you know to me is is kind of a sign of a successful show right like if you're getting celebrity chefs now to be on a show after a year i, I I also wonder, like, who those chefs were, because some people would say that depending, like, if they were all Food Network chefs, you would say, True. uh-oh, this is dying, and they're pulling in their people who are ringers to save the show. Well, and that's absolutely true, and I had a thought as I was writing all this up, because I was like, we often talk about how the gimmick shows is often yeah. sort of, like, you know, dying gasp of a show. Um, that does not seem to be the case here. Um in any event, this celebrity one, I guess, for, to, to stretch it out over five episodes is pretty significant. Um, and then yeah. they did it again in 2015. Uh, they also did a five-part, uh, what they called the Evilicious Tournament um, in 2015. Um, and that brought back some of the previous contestants, the most memorable contestants. Yeah, in other words, the the biggest the biggest a hole contestant. Yes, exactly. Which I think you know goes along with the evilicious name. I think they also gave particularly nasty uh, sabotages during that tournament. Um, cool. But yeah, it wasn't necessarily winners or losers. It was just who are the people who are really cutthroat. Um, nice. They also did uh, what we talked about in the news, the five-episode Camp Cutthroat Tournament um, in 2015. Right. Uh, it's basically the same show. They just do it outdoors um, so that all the you know cooking equipment that they have is stuff that you would have while camping, theoretically. Um, this time around, they only did three contestants and two rounds, um, so a shortened version of the show. But then for the finale, they brought it back to the typical four-contestant, three-round format. Nice. Um, and then they did a second camp cutthroat uh, titled Alton's Revenge. That happened in 2016. And then, so this one actually had quite a bit of remixes. Um, so first of all, the, uh, I guess really it was just the last round, the, the top two. Um, instead of the auctions of... Um, sabotage just like they would normally do during the, the cooking event uh both chefs were subject, subjected to what they refer, referred to as conditions of simulated warfare uh i think most of this was just they were being hit with water balloons the whole time um <laughs> but i i have to imagine they probably you know played a bunch of explosion and gunfire sound effects and maybe had like things blowing up around them as well just to make it right. more like hectic but yeah it's just a weird they were both sabotaged um and what a weird sabotage so again you know we keep going with these with these gimmick episodes but we're now uh a full three years into this show and it's almost all gimmick episodes i guess uh june of 2016 we have a time warp tournament where again we bring back some um previous contestants this one specifically people who won uh but they come mm -hmm. back and do decade themed dishes and sabotages throughout the okay. the the tournament um and then later in 2016 we have a halloween tournament called the tournament of terror uh and i think that's about it um 2016 also sees the only uh Really, the only thing of note I found about this show, as far as like behind the scenes stuff, uh, a right. contestant was eliminated due to injury. They cut off the tip of their own finger. Uh, oh, yeah, in a round, and they had to be eliminated. And then they sort of shifted everybody up to to uh, account for that. Um, so there you go. That'll happen. You know, uh, mm. my my cousin actually uh, cut the tip of his finger off working at a. I, you know what? I don't even want to say because I'm going to say it wrong, and I don't want to 
put any specific restaurant under a bad light, but he definitely cut the tip of his finger off and it made its way onto a con- customer's burger. Uh, Applebee's. Applebee's. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Applebee's, but there goes our sponsor. Right. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to say a name, but, you know, uh, it was it was a restaurant of that ilk for sure. Okay, great. Uh, so, yeah, 2016, at the end of that season, that's when Alton Brown announced that he was taking a hiatus, uh, but it was not ended. It sort of was theoretically leaving the door open for further episodes in the future, but that kind of never happened, and in 2018, he confirmed uh, that uh, the show has officially been canceled, will not be renewed, no new web episodes. But there were two uh, web-based spinoff series. I believe these probably ran, at least in some regard, concurrent to the show, um, but they still exist on the Food Network website. You can still go watch them. Uh, Alton's uh, after show, where he just sort of interviews the chef and or chefs, uh, that were on the show and talks about their experience and their decisions and the sabotages and whatnot. Um, right. And then one called Testing the Sabotages, which I think is a little maybe Mythbusters-y in its okay. approach. But yeah, it's just how they come up with the sabotages and what they do to make sure that they can work and all that stuff. And, and that's that's another thing that I did find out about this show. These sabotages are tested to death. That's um, great. Yeah. So they, they make sure that it's not something that is going to be too much of a hindrance or not enough of a hindrance right like i'm sure there's a bunch of stuff they do and then they do it and they're like oh this is no big deal at all throw it out Mm, yeah it doesn't count not good enough yep uh so like i say no new episodes since 2016 but reruns are still airing and uh the episodes are still on hulu so i highly recommend going to check it out it is a great show they're also somewhere else i don't know i think it's oh it's discovery plus they're also on because Uh, it's uh, they have the cooking they have the um the food network the Food Network, so yep. it's on Discovery. That's where we're watching it right now. Uh, really like it. Really wonderful. Let's do some ratings. Mike, I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, I remember when we did Guy's Grocery Games that I was like, I'm choosing this for a very specific reason, and I'll describe it more when we get to Cutthroat Kitchen. Cutthroat Kitchen. I, right. I don't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, in the in the you know, I just want to say that that's so awesome. That's exactly what this podcast is about. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I, tremendously. I, I distinctly remember having such a plan. And now I'd, I've totally forgotten it. All, all I remember was that the <laughs> the crux of it was that I like Cutthroat Kitchen more than uh, a guy's grocery games. Grocery and games, and yeah. I like this show a lot, despite the fact that I'm not a foodie and, and cooking shows really aren't for me. This show surpasses right. my uh, I don't want to say distaste my my uh, indifference to to cooking shows. Um, nice. I, the the gameplay is intricate and fantastic and fun and wacky and uh, the contestants they get you know I I think maybe that's just a, a sort of nature of the job but they're always very interesting people. Uh, Alton Brown is just the greatest host like he's so the the way he talks and everything about him is so fluid he he just is perfect at it um i am going to give it a 4.25 sabotages out of 5 um it just i i can't really find anything to say about it that i don't like other than the subject matter which i think is the exact same thing i said for um, guys, guys, grocery, grocery games. games. So I'm praying that my guys grocery game score was a four and I am saying 4.25 for uh, for cutthroat kitchen. If you're a, the kind of person that's going to go back and re-listen and like nitpick on this, just simply pretend I said whatever 0.25 over guys grocery games that's what i'm giving this (laughs) that's great that's absolutely great so um, a couple of things that i find interesting first of all i do love the show i think it's great i love alton brown i've always loved alton brown i think um i mean he's just he's spectacular Mm -hmm. and because of that uh this was an easy watch for me uh and when i saw the gameplay but i was like holy cow this is amazing um i don't like the way they and I know they do it for for the reason of it. I don't like the when the contestants come out and they're all boastful in the beginning mm. um, during their introductions. Like I'm gonna win no matter what because I'm like the queen of blah blah blah. It's and I'm like super cheese ball. I I hate it. And now here's the thing: 
what I love about it on on Holy Moly, it's the same type of thing. But I hate all those people so much on Holy Moly <laughs> that I don't want any of them to win. <laughs> and that's the best part of that. You want to see them get wiped out in the water. And then, I of mean, course, you true. find you find one to pull for and you end up pulling for them and you hope that they win at the end of the episode. And that's fine. But with this cut through a kitchen, like everybody is such an a-hole or whatever you want to call it. That you're just kind of like, and there's and they're so cheesy, and I'm like, it's very forced. Yeah, it just doesn't feel natural to me. I would rather have these people come out and say, "Hey, this is what I've done. I feel I'm really good, and I think I can win this." Yeah, and be genuine about it, and then I'd be like, "Awesome." Yeah. Now I still want them to be a total a hole when they're doing the sabotages. I love that part of it. That I love. They're like, right. Bobby, I'm sorry, I'm gonna screw you. Here you go. Well, and Boom. Those you know, feel I mean, more authentic, right? Because they they're do. actually they doing do. it for a reason. Uh, now, do. I will say uh, the show tells them to do that, right? That is not the contestants oh, yeah. doing that. But we're rating the show. Not no, no, no. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm giving the contestants yeah. the. Uh, that's why it feels very forced because none of them actually want to be doing that. The, the, yeah. The the other thing is is that I I do like some of the restraints that are put on on them. I I just for me it's like I really wish they'd have a little more time in the pantry because I would like them to all have the perfect thing to make their perfect dish and then they get screwed. Right, so that there's not the situation where it's like, oh, I don't have orange juice, let me get that orange yeah. soda. Yeah, exactly. Now, I understand that adds another whole element to another level of gameplay, so I get why they do it. Yeah. But, man, wouldn't I just love them to say, you have an endless amount of time, go in there and pick out whatever you want, you're going to have the perfect dish. Here you go. Boom. Uh-huh. And then really, and then we have the producer break that we don't see, where they go in there and they specifically screw each and every Right, person. exactly. They're like, ooh, <laughs> all right, let's pick specific challenges just because of what you got. So, I, I mean, that, that that's not a knock against the show that's just what i want to see sure, sure. i mean but anyway i mean that's really the only thing that i don't like about it i mean otherwise it's it's so well done and i'm just so upset that it took it took me till this year to finally watch this show and it blows my mind because we're alton brown's fans but we didn't have hulu and we did get uh, discovery plus and when we did i was like i'm watching cutthroat kitchen and i watched like the first four episodes and I brought Jenny and I said, sit down, we're watching this because you're going to love this. And we watched the first one. She's like, this is amazing. And I'm like, it is. It's everything that we love about our regular cooking shows that we used to watch back in the day, like Top Chef or Chopped or whatever. But with a whole element of gameplay underneath it, that is just amazing. So I'm going 4.5 on this one, brother. 4.5 sabotages on this. All right. And that's because I love Alton Brown. Well, I, that's fair. Like I say, he is just wonderful. Yeah, he's the best. Absolutely the best. All right. Um, I don't know. I think that's all we've got, right? That's all I've got. All right. Well, that's it for this week, Mike. Uh, thanks uh, so much for being here. Uh, well, hey, you know what? Thank you for being here. And 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 thank you. And thank you. And thank you. And thank you over there. And thank doctor, 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 doctor. I was thinking the other day I would love for Aaron to do Spies Like Us because I'd love that movie. But then I thought about that scene and I was like, every viewer would stop watching. Just watching us all go, doctor, 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 doctor. Well, doctor, yeah, doctor. for those of you who don't know, occasionally Mike and I are lucky enough to do, um, a friend of ours does a table reading online. Um, it's a Zoom event where we read an actual script from from the movie. And last last month, we were lucky enough to be in both involved with uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You had the starring role of Eddie Valiant. Mm, indeed. And you were uh, uh, R.K. Maroon of Maroon Cartoons. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it, and it was great. And if you ever get a chance to check it out, I think it's... Um, A.A. Ron's table reading, right? No, Ron, just A.A.'s table read. Oh, just yeah. A.A.'s uh, table reading. Okay, yep. well, check it out. It's on It's on Twitch. It happens once a month. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, we're doing uh, Back um, to the Future next. It has not been cast yet, but... I know. I'm going for Doc so bad. We'll see what Well, happens. and you, would, uh, you absolutely need to get it. Uh, I, I would love to have Biff, but I, I, that seems to be oh, a, uh, a hotly contested dude. role, so we'll see what happens. But I, would, I would play any of the main roles. That's oh, absolutely. The I, I would play... Any of yeah, them. they're they're all great. I would say Biff and George are my top my top two. Yeah, I'd I'd play Marty or Doc or Biff or George. I don't care. I, I just don't care. <laughs> just I'd play the father just to be like I just I play the father to be like 
Yo, get in here. I hit another kid with the car. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, tune in again next week. We're going to bring you the latest and greatest in the world of game shows. Uh, plus a brand new featured show and Christian will be back and I'm sure there'll be more drama that we'll get to talk about. Oh yeah. The, I'm sure it's not going to stop. Anyways, make sure you check us out on social. Uh, all the, the regular stops of the Facebook and the Instagrams and the, the Twitter and the yada yada and the so on and, and so forth and the face plant and the snap face. Mm, the only fans <laughs> and the, uh, <laughs> no, no more only. Well, we're off of OnlyFans now because they're. Oh, they're, that's they're, right, that's right. Yeah, no yeah. more, no more nudie stuff on there. Yeah, yeah, so we're we're no longer on. You won't find us on OnlyFans anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right. Yeah, uh, please subscribe, share, drop a review if you like what you heard. And if you didn't like it, uh, I'm gonna bid very, very high on a sabotage against your life. Ooh, that sounded way mean, but I was like... That was dark! Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm going to take that back. If you didn't like it, it's fine. It's, it's okay. Yeah, we still yeah. love you. It'll be fine. All right, see you next week, Mike. <laughs> Bye, Tom. You've been listening to America's Favorite Game Show Podcast. Tell them what they've won. A JTEC audio production. Copyright 2021. No part of this podcast may be reproduced by anyone without the express written consent of the creators. For more information or to contact us, please go to tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. All right, Tom, what did you learn this week? You know, Mike, I, I think I learned that I, I don't appreciate, I mean, I really like that we, that game shows were in the forefront this week. And unfortunately it's because of Mike Richards that they were really mm. in the forefront. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was on CNN, it was on all these other things. And, you know, game shows are not really taken very seriously a lot of times unless there's some sort of drama like this because they're really meant for just enjoyment. And, uh, you know, and a lot of, a lot of times they're just not taken seriously. Right. There's know? not a lot of weight behind them. There isn't. Um, and so I really enjoyed the fact that they were, at the forefront this week and not for that reason it's un- i mean it's unfortunate for that reason but it was nice to be a little mainstream for a change do you know what i'm saying yeah i mean it's at what cost but i i guess yeah, i right. kind of see what you're saying yeah how about you did you learn anything uh i did i learned that it was in fact a uh tgi fridays where my cousin's <laughs> fingertip ended up on a burger Oh, boy, there goes two sponsorships this week. <laughs> Copyright 2021, a JTEC audio production. <laughs>